Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Sean McCoy. I'm here, as always, with my partner in crime. I shouldn't say, as always, we missed one. But my partner in crime, either way, Eric, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great. And I am bummed that I missed the episode in Cisco, Texas. But, you know, survived COVID, but pollen somehow took me out. So, you know, <laughs> things happen, I guess. It does. Yeah, it's an upcoming episode we have on the dual fuel tier four hydraulic fracking units that ProFrac does up there. So looking forward to that coming out. But we're going to sit and take a few minutes today to talk a little about some of our previous episodes and what we've been going through. So tell me, my friend, what stood out to you about some of the stuff we've been doing recently? You know, since our last Accelerate episode, we've done some really cool stuff. And I think the one I want to talk about first is just going up to the Oilfield Water Connection Conference in Frisco, not Cisco, but Frisco, and doing the episode with XRI on water recycling with John Duran and Chris Harwich. I mean, what just a fascinating conversation to understand the scale of water and how it's used and, and our ability to, you know, recycle it now and, and move in that direction in a more kind of water-friendly, land-friendly, highway-friendly kind of way, right? Yeah. And, and it's the thing that stood out to me, and I've said this now to a few people, is just that, that metric we heard at the conference, that the water in the Permian was three times more valuable per acre in terms of acreage value than crude oil. I just... I was, I was dumbfounded by that. Yeah, no, it, it is amazing how much water goes into the ground and how much more we bring up out just to get <laughs> get to the oil. But I think the other thing I would say is, you know, you shout out to the Oilfield Water Connections team and the conference they put on to have an in-person conference of that scale with that kind of enthusiasm and connectivity. And it was just really great to be a part of it. And I think you can hear the excitement kind of the buzz in the background, so to speak, when we recorded the episode. So I would encourage anyone, if, you, if you're interested in water, understanding more about water, the scale of water and the value of water, when we frack, you should definitely tune into that episode with John and Chris from XRI. Yeah, no, it was So what I wanted to follow up yeah. on, Sean, with you, we did do an, ep yeah, we did do an episode with Corva, but also while I was out of pocket, you had an opportunity to speak at CorvaCon, which is kind of the Corva conference that, that, that Ryan Dawson and his team put on. So tell us a little bit about that and what went on there and, and how exciting that was. You know, so Ryan was really kind. He reached out to both of us and, I, and you, you weren't able to make it. And we also had one of our former guests, which I thought was really kind of cool, Caitlin Allen, who was with us in our last Accelerate that we recorded there at the API, there at the Petroleum Club for their luncheon. She came on and we were given the chance because it's such a, as we saw at the water conference, you know, ESG is a prime part of so many conferences now and it comes in and people want to know and and you hear these basic questions like what is ESG and because and, and, people are still trying to understand it they're still trying to really understand how it applies what it is and then those that do there's like they're wanting some more answers because it's such a young and I shouldn't say young in terms of being around and being important but definitely in terms of its position and and, and where it is in the industry and all so many of these prominent industries in business that it was it was a great invite as we we because we just we'd done their episode and so it's it's getting it's just released and it was really interesting to hear to see it was interesting to see, to see Ryan kind of in his element of, of promoting this amazing work that they're doing and really focusing on 
the data side and how they're able to really be an asset to the industry going forward. And it's one of the things that Jim talked about in that episode as well, that as we start to look at rig counts and people like yourself and I and, and, and others that we know in the industry have been so focused on rig counts our whole lives that it's such a, it's such a pivot, right, <laughs> to, to look and go. It's not, rig count really is not representative at all anymore of the health of the industry, definitely not comparatively speaking, but just the amount of efficiencies and things that are being driven by technology and things of that nature. It's just such an exciting time. Granted, chaotic and difficult, but such an exciting time for the industry and what we're doing. Yeah, I, I would agree. That conversation with Jim, who's the executive director of the International Association of Directional Drilling, was fascinating to me. And, and making the point that year over year, rig count comparisons don't really make sense much anymore. I mean, we're going farther, faster, more efficient, more effective across the board. We'll never go back to those rig counts, no matter how busy we are. I mean, it's probably probably more important to pay attention to frack crews than anything else. But it was a fascinating conversation. I would encourage, if you haven't had a chance to engage with Ryan Dawson in any way or hear about Ryan and what they're doing at Corp, I would strongly encourage you to go listen to that episode because Ryan is an amazing leader over there and a just fascinating conversation with him. So I think he's a great voice. And I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about today is you know increasing the power of our voice on different platforms. Yeah, no, it's a great segue, and you, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. But and I'm glad you talked about Ryan's leadership because, as we know, having recorded an episode there, you know, he's it's like the Google for for software programming in the oil and gas industry or the industry in, in relative to his own industry. But he just creates a great space for his people. And the Corvicon conference was such it was so well done, and it was set up to really become an an engaging environment, not just inter- interacting with their personnel his he had multiple people from his company were involved in it there's video out there that you can watch and it was just a it was just really really well done and super niche in terms of where it applied but there was a lot of big names and people in the industry there to learn and figure out what else is going on and what's coming it's just it's just the speed of change and a little bit like you're saying it leads in well to what we're going to be talking about outside of just this stuff so we've recapped some of these things and as we're getting ready for the other part of the accelerate episode uh, we're, we're touching base into a world that I just felt my friend was, as you know, bring some things to you. Sometimes you're kind of like, well, all right, <laughs> let's talk about this. But you've heard me talk about Clubhouse for quite a while now. We're, we're here to talk a little about Clubhouse. And so what's your first thought? What do you, what's been going on in your head when I think about when I talk to you about Clubhouse? You know, it's funny. You're right. To those of you that don't know Sean, Sean is full of energy and passion and excitement about so many things. Sometimes I think he has way too many balls in the air. And he brings these things to me. I'm like, wait, what? And you can see the excitement on Sean's face. And Clubhouse is one of these things. And so I feel like I can get a B or a B plus on LinkedIn. And I feel like I've used up all my bandwidth for understanding social media and, and the opportunities. But as you've explained it to me and, and, and I start to understand more and more about you know, what Clubhouse can do, the platform that it is, and, and the way that we can connect more than just a static recorded conversation, for example, on a podcast, but a way to engage live. I'm excited to learn more about it. I definitely will be the dummy on today's episode, but excited to learn more about it, excited to connect in and find ways to tell some of the stories we've been telling that I think people need to hear. I appreciate that. So as we get ready to, we're going to do a quick commercial break and come back to our guests, but we're going to be talking to Tyler Abadie and John Cooper, a couple of CEOs in the business world who are using this platform in such a, in such amazing ways. I've been able to connect with them, got them both coming back. And so 
hang on, wait for this commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk more about Clubhouse. Hey, Sean, a quick note about our sponsor, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Through HPE's extensive activity and experience in the oil and gas industry, they have identified six key areas to enable your company to get ahead of the competition. Cloud-based consumption, advanced analytics, secure mobility solutions, physical and cybersecurity offerings, asset virtualization, and application modernization. So with that, do you want to find out more about one or all of those solutions? Go to www.hpe.com forward slash engage forward slash IOT or click on the link in the show notes for more information and to download their white paper about these subjects. All right, welcome back. And with that, just wanted to say another quick thing. You know, we just heard from HPE and one of the things that was great, we got to meet Jennifer, our partner in crime with Hewlett Packard Enterprise up there. We got to go to Cisco. So that was great. Just, hey, Jennifer, good luck with everything going on. Miss you and we care a lot about you. And so in the clubhouse, so here we go. We got Tyler Abadie. He is the CEO of Abadie. It's a company that he founded about eight years ago. It's a midstream engineering consulting and project management firm. And he's also the founder inside clubhouse. There's clubs and his is just called the oil and gas club. And he's been very kind to me personally. Not only have the rooms been such amazing resources for all kinds of information around the industry and connections, you know, people in the political field, like existing congressmen, both in the United States and Canada, but also creates these panels, lets people come on, and it just becomes an amazing resource. And I just really appreciate what he's doing. And so I asked him to come on, and, and he's just, he's one of many. There's some others we'll talk about that have, that have created great rooms. But at the same time, another gentleman that I came across is John Cooper. And John is the CEO and, con- and found, co-founder of Next NRG. It's a solutions company focused on resilience, transportation, electrification, and the media, which led him to co-found a club called Electrify Everything, which is about distribution. And he's got about 26 years in energy innovation. So we're going to hear two different sides, kind of the coin and some experiences I've had. And so with that, gentlemen, thank you both for coming on and talking to us. No pleasure to be here. Appreciate it, Sean. So Tyler, I want to start with you. So tell us, I mean, how did you get it started in Clubhouse? And kind of in the little context of what we're saying, I know it, Eric doesn't. What do you say when people, when you tell people, oh, hey, I got to go to a meeting and they're like, oh, it's it's a clubhouse room. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask for John? I didn't quite hear. No, I'm going to start. I'll start with Tyler first. And okay, pardon me. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. Yeah, Sean. So it, it definitely took a while to let my employees and colleagues know that sometimes my meetings were not in person and on Clubhouse. But I think after a couple of weeks of them understanding the platform, it was a lot easier and a soother process to get there. Clubhouse has been fantastic. And for those that don't know, it, it's an app now available on, on Android, but also iPhones, where you can just hop on. You're using your real name, your telephone number to synchronize identities. You can set up a profile, but the rooms and the clubs, as Sean alluded to, allow you to jump in. And in the clubs, there's basically two functions. There's the stage, and then there's the audience where you can listen in. And we started the Oil and Gas Club. It's been just a a monumental platform for us to discuss various topics ranging from innovations, who's doing what in the industry. We're talking about ESG. We're talking about the energy transition. Professionals are able to share their fears and their concerns, but also their successes. And lately, we've had a lot of really good and exciting dialogue around youth coming onto the platform, young professionals or college students looking for guidance in their industry and their vocation, asking questions about interviews, what companies may be hiring and then ways in which they can pivot their careers, not just to be successful in oil and gas, but also in the transition that will occur over the next decades. So really just been a fun place to be. And and Sean, I've truly enjoyed a lot of the conversations that you and I have had with some just phenomenal individuals on stage. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I really want people to understand is that, you know, what does that have to do with ESG? Well, that's the beauty of it is there's rooms, there's clubs, and even in rooms around oil and gas and energy, like the ones that you run, their ESG questions come up just like just like in a conference that we were talking about earlier. Oh, absolutely. I'd say, you know, every other question we have, it's a split 50-50 right down the middle. We'll have topics where we're talking about drilling technology, which companies are expanding their program, or, or maybe there's a group that's doing an acquisition or divestment. And the very next question we're talking about ESG, we're talking about sustainable application of, of new capital projects, Greenfield and Brownfield. We're talking about the governance of social justice and environmental justice issues that are ongoing and current federal permitting. And then most importantly, we get perspectives from individuals in Canada and Europe. Europe, South America, the Middle East, even as far away as China and Russia. So just a great platform where, where a global community can come together and engage in a civil dialogue that's just respectful of all individuals on both sides. And, and really, I think, and I've seen, I know you've seen this too, there's also been a lot of humility and a lot of humbling mm-hmm. where individuals that may have had a mindset pro, you know, one way or another have recognized that it seems there's some pros and cons and some rights and wrongs on all sides. And the dialogue just continues and we all become students day in and day out, which is great because we're always learning. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of want to throw it over to my partner and say, all right, Eric, what's kind of not to set it up to this way, but what's your first question for Tyler? Tyler, as the clubhouse no in this conversation, you know, I want to take a step back and, and maybe you can just paint a picture for everybody about how it works at a very high level. I think most people understand Facebook or most people understand LinkedIn or they listen to podcasts and how engagement works across those various platforms. But just take a step back at a very high level, you know, for somebody like me who's never stepped foot in Clubhouse, but looking forward to it and just kind of explain how it works, how it's organized at a very rudimentary level, how the engagement works on a day to day basis. Sure, sure. I'll give you my best perspective as a civil engineer, so so you have to bear with me. I kind of look at it as you log on, similar to what you did back in the day on Dial Up with America Online, and right when you log into the app, there is a hallway, and the hallway is basically your news feed or your scrolling feed, and you'll see there's different rooms that are organized by topics and then also individuals that you may follow or may have similar interests that you do. It could be engineering, it could be the economy, geopolitical relationships, or it could be fast food. And you enter a room, and the room is like a giant chat room, although instead of using text and sentences and emojicons or symbols, it's all audio. And it's basically designated by two categories. The first category is the stage. The stage is controlled by moderators who started the room and individuals who are actively speaking. And then you have the audience, which is anyone can stop in and listen. And maybe they don't want to participate, but they might want to listen on the way home. And typically the moderators and the individuals starting the room will dictate and help lead the discussion one way or another. And in mo- more times than not, the rooms may start with a specific purpose. Maybe you're talking about manufacturing of electrical vehicles, or you're talking about natural gas supply from the previous Texas blackout. And typically the engagement of the audience and those on stage will lead the topic into some really fruitful and just great dialogue. And and it'll last as long as the moderators keep the room open. So really just a phenomenal platform. It's kind of like the newer chat rooms that we saw back in the day. It's just now it's reversed. Instead of being excited about typing to somebody, we're back to that antiquated sitting around a fireplace all talking. So it looks like in the true spirit of Clubhouse, 
you're hearing this somewhat somewhat live, somewhat recorded. So Eric's having connectivity issues. And so we're going to just kind of run with this. And this happens sometimes in Clubhouse, as you know as well, Tyler, that somebody's talking and their signal gets weak. And so I, I don't know if this is, are the Clubhouse guys trying to tell us something? <laughs> yeah, maybe he's got a phone call, right? <laughs> maybe he does. So I just want to uh, jump in and and bring John into the other half of this conversation with, you know, obviously with Tyler, with your topics and our stuff that we talk about, it's easy to go in there and really spend a lot of time. But in the true sense of exploration and understanding and broadening our knowledge, uh, one of the rooms I came across was John's room about electrifying everything and really hearing about the application and distribution of said energy that we produce or, you know, to some extent, some part of that. And so for a lot of weeks, I just sat in there and listened, you know, while I was working, it could come on. And, and I kept hearing the same feeling from John from you, buddy, that like, you're just like, man, this is so amazing. Cause then some, some kid who's out doing his research student at Stanford jumps in and can add some insight into what's going on in certain technologies. And, and then these people are connecting. And so John, can you tell us a bit about your journey around clubhouse and how you got started and what you've seen as well? Yeah, you bet. So I have a younger partner that I launched next energy with back in the February timeframe, really right after the blackouts that we went through. I live in Austin and I redirected my company, I was focused on electric vehicles, to focus on resilience, which is the quality of being able to recover from a disruption. And boy, do we have a disruption in, in February here in Texas. So we joined Clubhouse, and it was very disorienting at first, but it's very intuitive. And we quickly got it up to speed. We created a club, and initially we launched a Monday evening conversation or room, they call it, and then a Thursday morning. And we discovered that we got a lot more traffic on Thursday morning. And because it was morning in central time zone, we also got people from Africa and, and Europe. And it just blew me away listening to someone's firsthand experience in Uganda say it's, it's just unprecedented. I had never experienced anything like it. And I just like to add in terms of descriptions, the way I've described Clubhouse before is you open up your iPhone, you open up the app. And you do see the hallway at the front, but it's, it's as if you're at a conference that's always going on, walking down the hall, and you can go into any room. You can see a description of it, and you come in, and you know you walk in at a conference, and you might see a, the backs of a bunch of people's heads. You might see a very poorly attended panel presentation with 10 people in the room, or you might find it packed and there's no room to sit down. You don't know until you open the door. Similarly here, you walk in. And after just several weeks, we started to know people. And when you'd walk in into a room that, that is being hosted by someone you know, often you'd be invited up on stage. That never happens at a real conference. So that's a really distinctly different thing. We invite people up on the stage all the time. And the key to being on the stage is your microphone goes live. So you're now part of the dialogue. So it's like this expert panel maybe of moderators, but then they can expand the group to 10, 20, 30 other people, give people a time for conversation. And that feels like a round table. And so imagine conversations with people from all across the US, maybe some people from Australia, from China, from Africa, it's a global group. And you have a set topic, the moderators key it up, and then you listen. And it's a tremendous way to learn but it's also been for me a tremendous way to meet people. Like I keep, because you're home and you've got the computer or you're in the office and you've got the computer, I can pull up LinkedIn and look at the people that are talking. 
And if someone's really interesting or you want to meet them, you can follow them, click right on their icon. You can't do that at a conference during the middle of a conversation or a presentation. And you can ask them, hey, enjoyed listening to you. I'm listening to you now. We, we should link. So it's very complimentary with the LinkedIn application. And then you learn. It's amazing. Right. And that's kind of, that's how we met. Like I actually used LinkedIn, saw you reached out and said, Hey, I'm the guy that was in that clubhouse room, you know, would love to talk to you kind of thing. So you're right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very spontaneous. It really is fascinating to see them develop. You think you've been around and seen everything and then something like this comes along. There's similar Twitter spaces, I think is something that's, that's coming along that's similar. There's a couple other type of applications. One thing that's different for all the listeners is it's a lot harder to be rude or mean when you're talking to people. You can't just throw throw comments out there like you may see on Twitter, right? Really, really rude and and conflict oriented. And so what you get is a polite conversation. You get some disagreements. If they get too heated, the moderators can tone it down or actually eject someone, but that almost never happens. What ends up happening in my experience is that people learn from each other. I'm a dead on clean energy advocate, innovation and energy. And here I am on an oil and gas group, right? It's, it's fascinating. Well, and that's the thing too, is that I think it helps you talk to it. You're not only discovering what other people are doing around the world, but I think, you know, one of the things I really liked and appreciate about what you were talking about, and it tied into an episode that we had done way back with a gentleman out of the UK named Paul Webb and his entire, his entire premise and his company and what he'd been doing, doing his whole life was energy efficiency. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like, and it's just, and then I learned there's a company we've, we've connected with here in Houston called Acclaim that is also big. And I, I learned about microgrids and, and some of the other aspects about microgrids that I didn't know. But it's absolutely fascinating to me because I think there's a whole other element. Like we're so used to on our side, you know, just providing the resource for it to go off and do whatever it's going to do and from a product standpoint. But I think, I think ESG is a big reason. And I also think just maturation. And I was hoping maybe you could say a little bit of that, John, about how people are starting to look over across the fences and realize that our neighbor is our neighbor and maybe we should work together and maybe we should remember. And this is all part of the bigger picture that we're trying to solve as well. Yeah. I've been laboring on a, I'm starting a series on the energy transition on a website that gets a lot of attention from utility executives called TD world transmission and distribution world. And I've been laboring to get this two part article out and the energy transition is a very complicated topic to talk about. And too many people would say, well, we need to get off oil and gas right away, right? Electrify everything implies that, right? And we use the term decarbonization. But the fact is, we're involved in a transition, which is over the next several decades, and we'll be finding our way because this has never been done before. So there's not really room for dogmatic thinking or one-sided thinking. There's no side is right. We're kind of feeling our way. We want to, you know, shift the economy and our focus to more renewable, clean energy to reduce emissions. But we also want to keep our economy going, right? And I think there'll be new purposes for some of these oil and gas products. And it's going to be a period of tremendous economic expansion, I believe. So there's a lot of room for people that are open-minded, I think, to listen and explore these topics. Clubhouse is perfect for that. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you if that's if, if you've seen that as well, but it, Tyler alluded to it earlier and we were talking about it, it, but just the opportunity to get together with other people around other industries. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, have you learned anything outside of your industry? And it doesn't have to be in the gas room, but if there's, is there been anything else that just on your own that you've been able to go out there and find and go, wow, I've discovered certain things I didn't know around this topic and Clubhouse was part of that? Oh, yeah. Well, I actually have learned a lot from, the, from my oil and gas friends, my new friends, but also on the climate change rooms. It's funny to say, it's not all these academic subjects. It's also, should I leave my man, right? It, it's, there are rooms like that about social topics or dating and things like that. I don't generally get on those rooms. But I've learned new things about climate change. I learned especially, one thing that really stands out, that gentleman from Uganda talked about three, three-wheel mobile electric vehicles that can detach their battery and be used in the home when they get to the home. That was just, that blew me away. So there are new things going on. It's a big world and innovation just opens up all kinds of new ideas and it helps to hear them because we tend to be, I think in America, we tend to be a little bit chauvinistic, right? We think we have all the answers and the rest of the world should be like us. But when you start to listen, what's going on elsewhere, it's fascinating. Hey, everybody. We're taking a moment now to introduce one of the new family members of the OGGN. It is Ryan Sanford in his Journey to the C-Suite podcast. We want to bring him on, let you hear from him, what he's doing, because we know that if you're listening to this one, you might want to check his out. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the family, but tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing on your podcast. Well, hey, thanks, Sean. I appreciate the chance to be on with you and your great show. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, called Journey to the Energy C-Suite. And obviously, if you've listened to Sean's podcast or other podcasts on the OGGN, we're really focused on leadership and people who want to grow their careers in energy and take the next step in their careers. We have fantastic partners helping us bring this show to listeners. The Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma and their EMBA program in energy work really closely with us and OGGN to really bring a show that I think is going to challenge our listeners, the people that are really thinking about growing their career, and give them some real insight and practical tips from experts. So we're going to have folks like CEOs of current companies in, in energy, people who have done that role before, and also folks who are experts in leadership development, some, some executive coaches, some people who, who are thought leaders in the world of leadership, really well-rounded group of people who, who really know what, it, know what it takes to grow your career in energy. Sounds amazing. So if you're out there listening to the podcast, ours is about ESG. Obviously, Ryan brings a whole other flavor to the world and, and gets you that insight into people that are on their way or have made it up there into the C-suite. So if that interests you, we encourage you highly to go check out this amazing new show. And thanks for joining us, Ryan. Hey, thanks, Sean. All right. With that, back to the show. Yes. Yeah, so I think in the spirit of that, Tyler, before we hear a little bit from Eric, because I think we have a chance to have him bring to bring him on. In the spirit of that, I wanted to talk a little bit about an experience that you had. You looked at your rooms in the club has been amazing with people like Ryan and Kevin and the rest of those. I want to say a shout out to all those, all of our friends, Stella and John, all the rest of them that do all that stuff out there in Clubhouse and do amazing work. But you were part of a Clubhouse room at one point that was kind of, and I don't want to say it was right versus left or conservative versus liberal or renewable versus oil and gas, but there was definitely an opportunity to learn from different people. And that was kind of the, the, the segmenting of that was around oil and gas. And you got to be in a room where it wasn't with a bunch of people that liked the industry, and you were able to engage with that. Can you tell us a little about what that was like on your end? Sure, sure. No, that was a, a, a last-minute invite. Our mutual friend, Tom, there was a, a cancellation, and so they asked me to fill in on a panel. And as Sean, as you're alluding to, the panel was basically a set topic where individuals within the oil and gas industry came into a, a climate room 
and we're able to talk a bit about what they do in the industry and then have audience members come up one at a time and ask the the panel or guests questions. It was an extremely fluid and very dynamic conversation. There were certainly some constructive dialogues where I think individuals in the audience saw that there's a lot of humanity and individualism, not just with the people on stage, but within the industry. They saw that there is a lot of mutual goals and, and mutual commonalities and feelings around how to protect the environment and to produce energy in a clean and efficient way. While we do have this transition, there was obviously some some guests that got up there where it maybe wasn't as friendly. But as John alluded to earlier, that's not always what you get. Typically, moderators in the rooms are, are very poised and there's a lot of civility. But no, it was just a fantastic example, as you indicated, of two opposite views where you would think that these groups would be on different sides of a picket line coming together for almost a cup of coffee and having just a great conversation that hopefully sparked some interest and allowed individuals leaving with a different sediment and also some some good topics to research on their own accord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so I guess what, what he was really wanting to get to, so the crux of what Eric was wanting to ask is around the opportunity for those engagements to produce a different result, that kind of that challenging our mindset, not just in regard to technology or what's happening, applications like the Uganda one, John, but more so around, have you, either of you, maybe each of you can kind of give an example of a time, something in Clubhouse made you think really hard about something internally and maybe even change your mind on something. So John, if you want to take that question first. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, especially for the audience that's listening about the oil and gas field, this is a massive transition that's coming and there's a real human cost as we realign. And I think this has led me to have a lot more of an open mind about things when you're talking about real people with real realignment and so on. Very curious about electricity. I I talk to a lot of people that want to know more about what's going on in clean energy. And for me, it was basically by getting to know some people, you develop friendships and you relate socially. And I think you start to gather in much more empathy and understanding of different sides of an issue. So Tyler, how about you? Anything stand out in terms of like just change perspective or just things you just had no idea? Sure. I think it went two ways. Really had a great appreciation for some of the cost benefits, or I should say cost per kilowatt hour that some of the renewable technology is getting down to. It's a, it's a rapidly changing metric that really shocked me at, at the numbers and how they're trending. Also had some great conversations where from the opposite side, we've been able to educate individuals on the emission reduction by coal plants converting to natural gas, mm-hmm. and then the ability to use compressed natural gas over, let's say, gasoline in certain developing countries that may not have the accessibility to renewables that we do. And then lastly, believe it or not, I've actually signed up and I'm currently taking a course online with Cornell on the climate leadership course. One of the members on Clubhouse referred me to it. We started our first interaction yesterday. It's a month-long program, so super excited to get into that and have really enjoyed, as John indicated, just meeting some phenomenal people on, on both the oil and gas side, but also across the aisle, focus more on, on, on climate renewables in the ESG movement. That's amazing. That's really, really, really cool. And it, it speaks to, again, what I see as well, and I'm so glad you guys took the time to come out here and do this. I have a, John, uh, a yeah, short anecdote to share. I, I thought yeah. it was pretty funny. During one session, we ended up having an expert from London who works for Air Products. And we were talking about the different colors of hydrogen. Maybe you've heard of gray hydrogen or blue mm-hmm. hydrogen. Yeah. And I just had to interrupt. And I said, I, where do these colors come from? And she goes, actually, there's 22 colors of hydrogen. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> flabbergasted. 
And I think it's just sort of a shorthand for how they talk about the different types of hydrogen, where they come from, you know, renewable stock, gray stock, you know, hydrogen made from natural gas, on and on, right? And it was a real eye-opener because there I had an expert that I never would have had a chance to talk to and could just ask a simple question. It was really interesting. Yeah, and so not to be self-promoting, but one of the things we're doing here at OGGN, we just started this the week that we're recording this podcast here at the beginning of June, but we've started a club and starting to we actually have a sponsored room with United Airlines talking about business travel, mm-hmm. going back with that. And we, we plan on adding more rooms to OGGN and what we're doing there. And as well as, gentlemen, I'd like you to plug yours and what y'all are doing and how to find your clubs before we go, because there is just, it's like podcasts. You can be in all of them and you can pretty much listen to most of them and they're all just really valuable. So Tyler, tell us a bit about you know, what you're doing. Maybe it's a little plug for it. And then John, we'll, we'll go to you and then we'll wrap up. Sure. No, definitely appreciate that, Sean. So Oil and Gas Club on Clubhouse, it's a, it's a great place for anyone to come in, whether you have a question or an interest, you're a student, you want to learn or just discuss the transition. We've had some amazing guests, my colleagues, Ryan Walker and John Shaw, as Sean alluded to earlier. We've been able to interface with Congressman Lotto of Ohio, Congressman Westerman of Arkansas, member Matt Jonaru of Alberta, Canada, just some really great conversations, both in our room and also our sister club, Power and Industry, had meetings and inter- individuals such as Daniel Jurgen coming in and just having great discussions. Wow. I hope to see everybody there and certainly appreciate, as, as John mentioned earlier, the level of civility that we're seeing on the app and in the rooms and just the individuals that you get to meet on a daily basis. Yeah. And in that realm, there's people like Kevin Doffing, who does the energy transition room. There's all kinds of people out there doing wonderful stuff. I know Tom's got his own stuff. Our friend, the unicorn's out there somewhere. There's all these amazing topics, all these amazing, and there's some really innovative combinations of industries that are going on as well and things of that nature. So John, how about you? Tell them a little about what your room is. Well, I I actually have now my partner in crime and collaborator is a guy named Misha Steiner, who's CEO of a company called Awesense up in Vancouver. It's a digital energy platform. And we've had some good discussions, and I'd like to stress the informal nature of this platform. We kind of gravitate between 8.30 and 9 a.m. Pacific time for our, our Thursday morning session. The longest it's run is three and a half, four hours. It was going so great, we just didn't stop it. People sort of joined and left in waves. It was kind of like a cocktail party, except it was at 9 a.m. And then the other... We've had as few as like a dozen people, and it just gives you a more intimate conversation. At first, I was kind of judging our success by how many people we drew, and I would be up when we had a lot of people, 50, 60, and down when we only had a dozen. And and Misha said, it doesn't matter. It's interesting conversation. And so it's informal. You can invite people up. You learn as much from listening as talking. You can be a resource. And then in my business the last two weeks, I've traveled on Thursdays, you know, just like I did before this podcast. So we just, we didn't do the session. We were just too busy, but that doesn't mean we can't pick it back up. And they have a feature that you go ping people that you know, and you say, Hey, we're in a room, you should join us. And we'll just step right back in and have another discussion next Thursday. God willing, right? (laughs) More business travel. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, so again, this is for y'all out there in the listening world to, if you're considering it, try it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And if you do, please find John and please find Tyler and their groups and if they interest you and go out there and explore. And on the behalf of my partner in crime who's disappeared in the, like I said, the true clubhouse fashion, we've lost connection, but he's out there. And I'm sure on behalf of him, I just want to say thanks for joining us. And with that, everybody, we will, we will talk to you next week. Well, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. 
Thanks, Sean. You're welcome, Thanks, Sean. Buddy. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month, we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is gonna be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, we want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate.